0: Welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast, hosted by Sixers Wire. of USA Today today's sports media group, I'm your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. Now, today, guys, I have a very special guest, my guy, Paul Hudrick, one of the hardest working dudes in the industry, formerly of NBC Sports Philadelphia, currently a free agent, but there's no doubt in my mind, this guy is going to find his next job pretty quickly. Paul, what's going on, man? Kai, what's
1: up, bud? I appreciate that introduction. Very kind words, very kind of you to say, and uh, yeah, I am definitely a free agent. So please gotten some very generous offers, gotten some talk to some people, but uh, I'm still figuring out what, what's next for me. So if you got a you got a lead on something good or you're an outlet looking for somebody, I got you covered.
0: Listen, Paul covers everything, wall to wall, Sixers, or it doesn't even have to be Sixers, basketball, just something. Give him a job. This guy does great work. <laughs> so so guys, just real quick an, an update before we hop into this. The Sixers just happen to have the busiest week while I'm trying to move. Uh, from Atlantic City to Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, so in the middle of me packing, I had a write that they had, that they hired Maury. Then I did some more packing. Then they hired Sam Cassell. Then I got more packing. And then they hired, uh, you know, other people, Brian Adams. So, Dan Burke. I- Yeah, Yeah. Dan Burke. It was just over and over and over again. And then on top of that, as I'm trying to move into my place, we had a press conference. We introduced Daryl Morey Monday. So just an absolutely busy week for me and the Philadelphia 76ers as a whole. So... Paul, Daryl Morey introduced as a new president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. He's now expected to kind of turn this team around after it's a really tough season on the floor in 2019-20. team fell completely short of any expectations that the team had. What are your thoughts on Daryl Morey? Like, like, do you think he can kind of come in here? And, I mean, there was a report from Shams Sharanya that they want to go after James Harden. Like, do you think he's going to a big splash?
1: I could see it. I mean, listen, um, you know, first of all, just, just talking about the hire – you couldn't do much better. I mean, Maury is arguably the, the best front office executive in the entire league. Hasn't won a championship, but when you see his body of work, how competitive the Rockets have been, the moves he's made, the picks he's made, I mean, he's he's pressed a lot of really good buttons <laughs> over the last, you know, 15 years or whatever it was he was with Houston. Uh, and, you know, if we look at the Sixers situation, it's, you know, they're going to like very extremely likely to be a luxury tax team. Uh, they have two very big contracts that you would probably say, I mean, you have to say they're not good uh, in, in Tobias Harris and Al Horford. Those guys aren't going to, you know, live up to those contracts, it appears. Uh, just, I'll, just, I'll be nice about it. I'll be diplomatic about it. So we'll just say it that way. But when you look at a guy like Daryl Morey, if there's anybody who could possibly rebuild this roster around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons – maybe move one of those big contracts and get value back in return. There's probably nobody better in the league than Darren Morey. When you look at what he did to get Chris Paul in Houston, what he did then again, taking a shot to get Westbrook, you know, the the, the crazy trade he made to basically go with centerless basketball and get Robert Covington in the mix. I mean, the, the guy makes moves, not afraid to make moves. He does his due diligence. Uh, 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 you know, you talked about, the possibility of Harden, which right. I don't think is a possibility. <laughs> right. uh, but, but of course, Daryl Moore is going to kick the tires because that's what good executives do, and that's what he's going to do. And so, yeah, I would say, Kai, nothing's off the table. I, I, they could, I could very well see them making splashes, or I could just see him doing a lot of really good moves around the margins just to, again, the focus is, and it was his focus in Houston, was to build around Harden. Now his focus is build around Embiid and Simmons. And we all know they need shot creators. They need shot makers. So I fully expect if he doesn't make a splash, he's going to make moves around the margins to get those type of players in here. And you know what?
0: Like before um, I had you on, I had Rockets wires, Ben DeBose on. And Ben, you know, he's been covering the Rockets for a little while now. And he kind of threw this trade out at me Um, because I guess Maury – pursued Al Horford a couple of times when he was still in Houston, you know, Raphael stone going in there and kind of being a Maury disciple, so to speak. And Ben kind of threw out a trade where maybe they sent Horford to Houston, maybe like a pick and, and something like that for Eric Gordon and bring in a guy like Gordon who can come in here. And like, like you said, he's a shot maker. He had a tough year this year because of the injury and he had an up and down year, but if they can't get Harden, which, like you said, and I agree with you, is probably unlikely, why, don't, why not go out there a guy like Eric Gordon or maybe even to a lesser extent, Daniel House?
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, if I'm just looking at it from a pure fit standpoint, of course, I mean, Eric Gordon isn't the player that he once was. Uh, injuries have slowed him down significantly. Like you said, he had a tough year. But if I'm looking at fit, of course, Eric Gordon is a significantly better fit on this basketball team than Al Warford is. And also, I don't know off the top of my head Gordon's contract, but I'm, I believe he might be in the last year of his deal this year. So if you can get off of Horford's contract and get a guy on an expiring deal, hell yeah. I mean, I, I, even if Gordon's deal is good for this year and next year, which I think also might be the problem, if you can get out of Horford's contract and find a player that theoretically fits better, even, though, even if he's not you know, a great player, not like you know, not an all-star or whatever – if you can get a player of value that fits better, I – yeah, I, I would certainly entertain that possibility.
0: Well, Gordon – remember, he signed that four-year extension last summer. Okay. So he's got three years left on the deal, but the last year is not guaranteed. So There you go. So basically you'd have him for next year, the 2021-22, and then 22-2023 uh, season. So he'd so
1: still be getting out a year earlier than Horford, so – yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I feel like at this
0: point, and I've always said, Paul, I, like I do believe Al Horford can still be like a serviceable player in this league. Agreed. Like, I still think he's a very good player. Cause like, if you look at his stats this year for Philadelphia and I, and I know you've seen them, you and I have had this conversation a lot. When he plays center, he's pretty good. But when you try to put him as a small ball power forward, or excuse me, not small ball, big ball power forward. Yeah. You know, he, his val- his numbers are going to go down and everybody's going to think like, Oh, Al Horford is not the same Al Horford, but I mean, at center, he could be a good player. And for the Rockets, obviously, they try to go small. Lakers kind of, you know, they bullied him a little bit with Anthony Davis. You bring a guy like Al Horford in there, like there could be something for the Rockets there to be able to – Yeah,
1: it's not, it's not a big fit. It. Yeah, that's not a, I – I don't think – we can all agree. Al Horford, he's he ma- he's making too much money for what he is now. And for he's sure. a terrible fit for the Sixers. But like you said, he gets still play. Yep. And, yeah, I, I – certainly see a path where the Rockets would make some sense for him. Um, they like to be switchable and him as a five, I think it, that's a pretty good switchable player to have. He can you know, didn't show up much this year with the Sixers, but he, in the past, he has been able to space the floor, still an excellent passer, which I think is one of his most underrated aspects. When you look at his time with the Sixers, that's something he still did very well. So having a guy like that, a pick and roll partner to play with James Harden, maybe, uh, Horford can do a little playmaking out of the elbow position, which is obviously something he couldn't do here for for obvious reasons. So, yeah, right. I, I could see a, a potential where the Rockets could look at a guy like Horford and say, "Hey, this is a useful player." And you know, if Eric Gordon, if that's if we can get him for Eric Gordon in a pick, that might be appealing to the Rockets. Yeah, it's not,
0: like honestly, uh, I mentioned the size. I, I feel like he definitely like like, listen, Horford's not going to come in there and all of a sudden change Houston's, like, title aspirations or something and, like, you know, all of a sudden be the Anthony Davis stopper or, or, or anything like that. But I guess, like, like the, big, the big thing is he does help Houston right now because they need some size. So it's not like it's uh, completely off the table that they could trade him for, like, an Eric Gordon or something. Now, yeah,
1: again, it, it, it's fit. It's fit, right? Because right. that, that would be a trade where both teams are kind of getting rid of contracts that aren't great yep. for players that fit better. Eric yeah. Gordon will fit better here. Al Horford could fit better there. So it's kind of like a, a, a win-win in a sense. I mean, it's both teams just taking a shot on bad contracts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I don't know if you saw it, but Sports Illustrated kind of put out this idea that maybe Daryl Morey could set like trade out all five of these picks or you know, four of the five picks, something like that. We all know Elton Brand, even to begin with, doesn't really use second-round picks to begin with. Uh, Brand has – moved second round picks in the past. And, you know, they don't, they don't really use them anyway, but with Maury in there, do you think it's possible that he does move this number 21 pick before the November 18th draft, which wow, is about a little less than three weeks away.
1: Again, I'm going to say nothing's off the table with Daryl Maury, man. I'm looking forward to it because I, Daryl Maury with five draft picks to me, like I'm going to have some popcorn ready on draft night. Like that's going to be fun. Like I'm really interested to see what he does. And, yeah, I, again, I would say nothing's off the table. If, if there is a move to be made where they can improve the roster for right now, again, a player that would help Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and fit better around them, of course you, you should look into it with the 21st overall pick. I mean, I, I don't want to, like, go too specific with players, but, like, let's say, like, a guy like a like a Spencer Dinwiddie becomes available um, or a Buddy Heel, like a guy that just would fit so much better and that – the sticking point could be them possibly surrendering that pick. Yeah. It's something you got to, at the very least, entertain, if not do. Uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, again, nothing's off the table for me, especially with Daryl Morey in the mix. And if it's going to make them better right now, I absolutely think that, he w- that he'll that he not only entertain, but that perhaps he should do it because Joel Embiid's 26, Ben Simmons is 24. That championship window, it's, not, it's certainly not closing, but – it ain't going to be here forever. So if you can make moves to make them better right now, I think you got to do it.
0: Yeah. And, and to be with you, like I feel like even with this roster, even if they didn't hire Daryl, I, I think everything has to be on the, on the table even before they hire Daryl. Because at this moment in time, Paul, they're probably like the fifth best team in the East, like fifth best yeah. at most. Like if we're going to be honest, like Milwaukee's better, Boston's better, Toronto, um, Miami just made the NBA finals. Granted, it was the bubble finals. Point is, Miami did get there. So I
1: I think saying they're fifth is fair. I don't think that's crazy to say at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, like this moment in time, there are teams much better than them, and, and they definitely need to make a move to put better pieces around Ben and Joel. Now, I've always said, I've always said this, Paul. I think they can win with Ben and Joel. Like like do you do you, like do you think that they can win with Ben and Joel as a focal point? Now, I don't everybody kind of wants to point to the fact that there's no spacing, but a lot of people seem to forget their offensive rating with Ben and Joel on the floor was like incredibly high the last two years. And it's because they had the shooters around them, like JJ, Jimmy, guys like Covington and um, and Dario, and they had the right pieces around them. The reason why they struggled so bad this year is because of the pieces that they replaced him with Al Horford and Josh Richardson are fine players, good players. They don't fit on this team. So I think every, I think I, I'm agree with you. Everything's got to be on the table in order to fit in order to fit this roster. Even if they didn't hire Daryl Morey, Elton Brand like had, had to have been thinking like, yo, I got to do something with this roster.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agreed. And when you talk about Ben and Joel, yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is, and I think Daryl Morey certainly understands, this is a guy who has made it his career's passion to always chase, you know, star caliber players. You have two stars that are really just entering their primes. They're both under contract. Neither guy has voiced a displeasure, really, like, you know, there was some stuff with being whatever, but both guys seem to want to be here. So why on earth? would you mess with that? What, right. Unless you're getting a star caliber player back in return. Right. That maybe perhaps fits better. Um, again, like a James Harden. So maybe you entertain that, but I don't see a path to that. I don't see that happening. So if that's the case, I'm going to hang on to both of these guys through their primes, through their con- and I Basically I'm not trading either guy until I absolutely have to, until it's, you know, whatever, the last year of Joel's deal maybe, and if you, it, it, it seems very clear it's not going to happen here, then maybe I entertain it. But until then, I, I'm not even close to getting on, oh, it's never going to work. you got to trade him. I like the way Doc Rivers phrased it. I believe it was you who asked him about it. And, I, you know, uh, the way he phrased it of, we have to stop looking at it as they can't win, as in, they, uh, you know, more so they just haven't won yet. And I think that's the mentality the organization has to have because they're still so young They're still so talented. And like you already alluded to, you put the proper pieces around these guys. I think you can make it work. Yeah. And then on top of that, like the
0: success in the NBA doesn't happen overnight. I know a lot of people like to think it does, but like, like let's not pretend that Michael Jordan like entered the league and he immediately won six championships. You know what I'm saying? Like Jordan had to go through the bad boy Pistons. He had, he had to deal with the Celtics. He had to deal with, you know, some teams. He got knocked down you he'd get back up. LeBron James, uh, he lost to Boston. He lost to uh, Detroit. He lost to um, San Antonio. Like there were teams he lost to and then he built and he grew. So I think the same has to be said for Ben and Joe here in Philadelphia. As you alluded to, Ben's 24. Joe 26. Like success and winning championships does not happen quickly in the NBA. I think the only superstar... Who won a championship quickly was Dwayne Wade in 06. I think that was his third year in the league, and yeah, and even and even then that took like it,
1: he had, first of all he had Shaquille O'Neal, yeah, yeah, Shaq. uh, <laughs> yeah, and second of all, even that like you know he didn't he came into the league and he was very good, but he wasn't a star in a way that took a little time.
0: Right. I mean, in 04, they lost to Indiana as his rookie year, in 05, they were up three-two on the Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals and they blew it. Uh, and then you know before coming back in 06. But as you mentioned, they had Shaq. They had Shaquille. <laughs> O'Neal. Now, granted, Shaq wasn't like Laker Shaq, but granted, Shaquille so O'Neal is pretty damn O'Neal. good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Still a pretty damn good player. So, I, I, like, I feel like a lot of people really do need to kind of pump the brakes on the whole trade Joel, trade Ben scenario because you don't the, like players of their caliber don't come along as often as they do. And when you got, like, to even have one of them is great. But when you got two of them, like, like you, can't, you can't let that go. So
1: And, some, and sometimes people, you, they lose sight of that. There's two ends to a basketball court. Right. And you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, who, if I were to tell you that I thought either one of those guys could win Defensive Player of the Year next year, that's not a crazy thing to say. Yeah. How many teams have not only one, but two guys that right. caliber defensively? elite defensive basketball players right and so again so if you surround them with scoring and shooting you let them do their thing defensively and wreak havoc you got something so I mean from that standpoint too I think I think people are, are and I get it people are just so obsessed with Ben Simmons and the shooting stuff that they lose sight of just how ridiculous I, I thought he should have been a defensive player of the year finalist he, wind, he, he winds up still winning you know getting on the first team all defense Joel Embiid has been there before. So, I mean, this – when I just look at two guys who are so elite defensively, I I think that is a great starting point in itself. Yeah. Like, we
0: have – I had T.J. McConnell on here back in – I think it was May or, like, early June or something. And I asked him about Ben's jump shot. And he said it's the most overrated shit I've I've ever dealt (laughs) with. Because, as you mentioned, Paul, Ben just does everything else at such an elite level, rebounding, defending – The way he just moves the ball, his vision is crazy, especially for a guy at six foot ten. And, you know, uh, former coach Brett Brown would allude allude to it uh, all the time. He's like a freight train coming right at you. And if he can come up with with some type of jump shot, then all of a sudden, I mean, you have to watch out because he really, he can do it all. Now, Daryl did gush over one guy a lot, and that was his love for Joel Embiid. Now a lot of people, a lot of people, are going to think, oh, why does Daryl Morey love Joel Embiid? He had Robert Covington at center last year, and Clint Capella, and a lot of people seem to forget it. he did have Yao Ming and Dwight Howard, like during his time in Houston, and yeah. they, they made the Western Conference Finals in uh, I think it was 2015 uh, with Harden and Dwight before they lost in five to the Warriors, and that was the Warriors' first championship of that run, and then they made it again with Capella, so it's not
1: like he's never had a big
0: man before.
1: Correct. Yeah. I, and so like Yao Ming, I mean, he, he made that roster work around Yao Ming. Um, then he went out and got Dwight Howard. He acquired Dwight Howard. So that's not even like he wasn't even given him. He acquired him. And then he drafted Capella. I mean, so it's not, like, it, it's not like he's never had a center. It's not like he doesn't like centers. And I do think that was the press conference. It was very clear. He was making the point hey, <laughs> I don't hate centers. Um, right. it's, it's just, I, I didn't, you know, with all due respect to, to Capella, he's not Joel Embiid. And okay. I did like, you know, he, he referenced that he made a quote earlier in Houston, the Houston media and said, hey, like, if I had Shaquille O'Neal, I'd be giving it to Shaquille O'Neal a hundred times a game. So it's not like he is, like, uh, against the big man or thinks the big man shouldn't be a focal point of an offense. It's just he had the roster he had. He had James Harden. He doesn't have that here. Um, And so it's – I think that was the main point he was just trying to make is – because you know what? It it is defense. A lot of people were saying that. A lot of people, their first thought was, oh, man, Daryl Morey's coming and can't have these – can't have a big man, can't have a center now. But I think he was just really trying to hush that and be like, no, listen. Um, And then I saw he just did – he just talked to 97.5 because someone kind of – and I thought this was ridiculous too. Some people were making a big deal like – oh, he talked so much about Joel and B, but he didn't really mention Ben Simmons. I know. Which was ridiculous. And if you I actually know. listen to it, he clearly referenced both guys the whole time. But he clarified today. He said, no, listen, I I love them both. <laughs> I think right. Ben Simmons could be a dominant perimeter player as well. Right. So, yeah, I, I, it's – there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way to build an NBA roster. And when you have – I." I tend to agree with the idea of that the NBA big man is a dwindling thing. For sure. But when you have a guy like Joel Embiid. Right. Who is just elite of elite, that's different. That changes everything. So you build around the elite players and you figure everything else out.
0: Right. And as we've mentioned a couple times already on this podcast, they need shot makers. Like, like that's really all they need just to give somebody just give Ben Simmons and, and Joel somebody to pass out to in order them to knock down shots. Because listen, in the playoffs, Embiid averaged 30 points a game in, in um in that series against the Celtics. Yet they were struggling to score, like this get a hundred points. You know what I'm saying, like as a team.
1: And he was so, getting double teamed on what, like seventy five percent of the
0: possessions. Exactly. And then he's kicking out to Tobias Harris, who shot, who didn't make his first three in the series until the right. until game four. And he yep. shot two for fifteen from deep in the series. And then Josh Richardson's not JJ Redick. And then you got yeah. Bible, who we all love Matisse as a defender, but he's not that great as a shooter just yet. He's a rookie. He's going to, he's, he's got to work at it. Uh, I, I think Shake Milton shot the best. Um, I, I, you I, might I, be right. I don't remember offhand, was, but yeah. So like it, it, it is something that there was so much work to do on this roster that, I mean, honestly, I feel like Daryl is probably the best guy to come in here and handle it all together. Because as you alluded to at the beginning, they, they really couldn't have got a better um, a better candidate and a better option to fill this spot. He, he's done so much.
1: Yeah. No, I, it, the resume speaks for itself. And, again, if you're to me, if you're a Sixers fan and you're looking at, at so far this offseason, bringing in Doc Rivers, you know, the staff that he has assembled with uh, Dave Yeager who's a guy that I really am really fond of with, uh, with Sam Cassell. Uh, with uh, Dan Burke, and you look at what the front office has done with bringing in not only Daryl Morey, but also uh, Peter Dinwiddie, um, you know, they 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 set out to, to change the course, they set out to change the coaches, they have changed his front office, and I, to me, by and large, they've done that, and I have to give Elton Brand a little credit, because, uh, and I was told this, and basically they can, I, I was told this on Sunday by a source, and Josh Harris all but confirmed it uh, on uh, during the press conference was that Elton Brand encouraged him to call Daryl Morey and, yeah. and to say, Hey, we would like you here. So say what you want about Elton brand. And, and you know, it, it, we got to call it like it is and say last off season was a disaster and he was the GM. Uh, and so it happened under him, but the way he has put his ego aside and been humble about this and has said, you know what? I can learn from Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey is one of the best I am comfortable in this role that you got to give the guy a lot of credit. So um, yeah, you're a Sixers fan. You have to be like reinvigorated by everything you've seen so far in the front office. And you have to have hope that Darryl Morey is going to do everything he can in his power to, to make this roster better uh, than it was last year.
0: Absolutely. And real quick, that's a touch on Elton. Like I I feel like everybody was like all up in arms when he got that contract extension on Sunday because of the moves he made in the 2019 off season with Horford and Richardson and, and you know, and Jimmy left and Jimmy's leading the heat to the finals. And just like, ah, uh, so it was like a big debacle and everything. But like, like, let's not forget Elton, Elton has been on this job now for two seasons. He came in with zero experience. He was the G league uh, GM before uh, being hired in Philadelphia. He's doing all this on the fly. So Elton really has done an okay job for somebody who really doesn't have any type of experience at all.
1: Yeah. And we also don't, and let's be real, Kyle, like we don't know fully what was going on behind the scenes, how much, because my personal theory is, and I think, and Elton kind of admitted this, it was just like a too many cooks situation where yep. too many people had their hand in what was going on and there needed to be definitive roles and definitive voices. And I think that's what they have now. I think, Daryl and Elton are going to be the loudest voices in that room now and they're in charge and and they're going to be the guy. Yes, they're going to, they're going to get input from other people, but it's their team. They're making the decisions. They're pulling the strings. They're making the call. So I think that in itself is going to be huge going forward. And then again, the the fact that that guy that's making those calls is Daryl Morey, that puts it on a limited level.
0: How much input do you think Doc Rivers will have into any, like any personnel decisions?
1: I think he's going to have some. Uh, I don't know. You know, he obviously was in charge of personnel at one point with the Clippers. I, I don't know that he'll ever do that, and I don't know that he wants to do that. To be honest with you, I think he's at a point in his career. Where he probably just wants, you know, not to, just wants to coach, but I think he more wants to coach, and maybe not, you know. And I think the fact that Daryl and Doc already had that pre-existing relationship and already wanted to work together, you know, so badly before. That I think they're going to be on the same page in a lot of things, you know, and, and I. So I, I, I think ultimately everything is going to be Daryl and Elton's decision. But I, they're, of course, like any, any team is going to get input from their coach uh, right. about, you know, what do you need, what do you see, what what does this look like to you. But yeah, I, I think ultimately it's still going to all come down to Daryl and Elton being the the key decision makers.
0: And and I feel I feel like that's going to be the best thing for I guess everybody involved just because, as you alluded to, I mean, there, was just, there, there were too many voices in there trying to, you know, say, we need to sign this guy. We need to trade for this guy. We need, we need to give him $109 million. Like, I'm sure like there was a lot <laughs> a lot going on in there within that Sixers front office. So I, I guess we'll just kind of end it off with this. I mean, obviously, we talked about the shot making. We talked about Eric Gordon, touched on Harden a little bit. Now, Harden is probably unlikely. Gordon <laughs> – by a little more unlikely, uh, excuse me, Probably a little more likely, I
1: should say. Uh, what about Buddy Heels? I'd be all in on, but so uh, a couple things. One, absolutely. Um, I would take him here in a heartbeat. Uh, right. I, just because he could, I mean, he could shoot the lights out. Bottom line, he could shoot the lights out. They need to shoot. If they were able to bring in someone that can replicate what J.J. Redick did here, I think it would be such a huge boost to their offense, would help Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons immensely. Um, I don't think some people have already said they think Jaeger's presence could hurt them. I don't think that's the case because, one, it's the NBA. All this stuff floats, man. Like, it, it goes away eventually. It goes under the bridge. We all forget about it. And you look at the situation now with Luke Walton. He's not happy right now, Buddy Hield. So if you're Buddy Hield and you're looking at it as, well, I could come back to Sacramento under, under uh, Luke Walton, I'd likely still be coming off the bench because I'm going to be sitting behind. Because if they bring back Bogdanovich, he's going to be coming off the bench behind Fox and Bogdanovich. Right. So would I rather go back to that? or And also, let's be real. Sacramento, they're, it's a mediocre basketball team that's probably not going to make the playoffs again next year. Where I want to come to Philly, a team that is competing and trying to win, already has two All-Stars. I'd be in the starting lineup. I'd have tons of space because of the space these guys are going to create for me. Yep. Um, I'd be under Doc Rivers. Yep. Who, that would be my head coach. Jaeger would just be an assistant. Doc Rivers is my head coach. And you're in Philadelphia, which, you know, uh, granted, I, you know, if you're given the choice of living, yeah, I'd probably rather live in California and Sacramento. But <laughs> Philly's a big, bigger market, bigger spotlight. Again, a better team. So you're in the spotlight more. So if your buddy healed, um, I would absolutely be open to coming to Philadelphia despite Jaeger's presence. Um, and then the last but not least thing I'd say on that is. I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, well, why would Sacramento do this? Like, you know, if it's like Horford and a pick for Heel, why would Sacramento do this? Listen, right? I like Buddy Heal. I like Buddy Fields' hit, fit here. But that's not a great contract for Sacramento. I mean, he's, he's signed to a max deal, and he's a one-dimensional player. He, he's not a shot creator, and he's not a very good defender. But for the Sixers, that one dimension is excellent for them. It's what yep. exactly they need. They need a knockdown shooter. So I don't think it's a crazy proposition to say that the Kings would be interested if you offered Horford and a pick or Horford and a young player for healed. I don't think that's crazy that the Kings would entertain that. I absolutely think they would.
0: Yeah, I mean honestly, at this point, as you mentioned, the Kings they pay they paid them a lot for that one dimension. The thing is that the Kings haven't made the playoffs since 2006. The, the last time they were in there Ron Artest was still playing in Sacramento. So it's like, why, why would Buddy just waste his career with the Kings when he can kind of force a trade out of there and Philadelphia will probably be like, hey, listen, we can give you a veteran mentor at Al Horford. You know, he can look at Martin sure. Bagley third. Look at that. I'll, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for, <laughs> for sure. So, like, <laughs> so there's, a, there's a lot there that possibly could, you know, get healed to the Sixers. And, and if they do – I think they can jump from like the fifth best team, and maybe maybe kind of move into the top three there a little bit. Because oh, Brooklyn is another team I forgot about. Because with Kate, they're getting back. Yeah.
1: Too. Oh yeah, Brooklyn's definitely going to be right in that mix. Absolutely. They're
0: they're getting Katie and Kyrie Irving back. So oh, yeah. I mean, maybe Brooklyn's going to be a dangerous team next year. Oh yeah. So. Sixers, man, as you mentioned, there was a lot of just a, a lot of excitement around this team right now. Daryl's going to come in here and try to do the best of what he can to turn this thing around. And I mean, I know yesterday at uh, the press conference, he said he did. He kind of alluded that like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make a big trade Do early. I'm here day one. <laughs> uh, but this is Daryl Morey we're talking about. I, be, I would be shocked. Right. I would be shocked if there isn't like a trade within the next month. Like, like I, I feel like he's going to come something off the top of his head. So. That's Paul Hudrick. Paul, tell everybody where they can follow you uh, on Twitter and social media and everything else, man.
1: Yeah, man. So uh, Twitter is just my name, at Paul Hudrick, H-U-D-R-I-C-K. Instagram is just Paul Hudrick 3 So, yeah, please follow me. Follow along. I'm going to be doing the best I can, whatever whatever that next move is, whether it's another outlet, whether it's maybe possibly doing my own thing. Uh, I still have plenty of good contacts within the team, so I'm still going to be reporting. I'm still going to be – uh working so yeah absolutely man i appreciate you so much Kai, for having me on no absolutely
0: man it's, it's been a while i think the last time i saw you was uh i think that fateful night at the wells fargo <laughs> center in march so
1: yeah uh, dude it's crazy because we're so used to seeing each other all the time right and then I, I, just I, like that, we don't see each other for eight months. It's crazy. I,
0: I know, absolutely insane. March, March eleventh, March eleventh was was last, yeah, last man. time. last time I saw you guys, man. I just got back in California too. That that that, that, was, <laughs> that was crazy. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening in. And um, this is specifically for Paul. As I end this off, Batman is an awful superhero. And oh, terrible take. We are out. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time on the Bell Ringer here at USA Today.